This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Thirty-six hours. That's the Nothing Personal Word of the Day. It is Thursday, October 26th, 2023. And we are 36 hours away from first pitch of the World Series of 2023. We also happen to be 20 years past the day after the World Series. So I've been thinking about the difference between the day before the World Series and the day after the World Series when you're a winner couple of things came to my head, starting with the night of the World Series. We all went back to the team hotel and went into the GM, Larry Beinfest, went into his suite and Jack McKeon, the manager was there. And we were sitting around watching SportsCenter on loop. Back then, SportsCenter was on loop. And we were watching the celebration and the interviews and we were just having drinks and talking and we were all in bathrobes. Then the next morning, and we went to bed in like you know, three, four o'clock, wake up the next morning and there was an itinerary that was under each of our doors from the traveling secretary because we were flying back to Fort Lauderdale. And that's where we flew. There was a charter at that time named Miami Air. So we get on the team bus from the hotel on 42nd and Lex here in New York. It was the Hyatt at the time. I think it may still be. And we get on the bus and it is, it's mayhem on the bus. Not because it's very loud. It's sort of quiet because everybody is wrecked because everyone had been up all night partying. We get onto the plane and Miami Air had made custom designed seat covers that had World Series champions and a logo. And it was incredible. So we get on the plane. It's an amazing ride back down to Florida. And when we land in Fort Lauderdale, there are fire trucks on the runway of the Fort Lauderdale airport and they are spraying water. What a waste of water, but it was so cool. Spraying water, welcoming the plane. And there were thousands of people waiting for us at the fixed space operation, at the FBO where we parked. And we got in our cars and we went back. And then I was at work the next day planning the parade, meeting with city and county officials about the parades in Fort Lauderdale and Miami. What a great memory. Thank you to everyone on Twitter and all of the people who posted great videos and pictures. And it's such a difference the day after versus the day before. The day before the World Series, you have two choices. 
You have a choice first whether you are going to do a workout on the field. You don't have a choice about meeting the media. The manager has to meet the media. The starting pitchers have to meet the media. And the question is, do you work out on the field? We had a conversation when we beat the Cubs and we're heading into New York once we found out Boone had hit the walk-off against, I believe it was, Wakefield. Rest in peace. What a horrible story of him passing away recently. My best to his family. And the question that we asked ourselves was, do we want to treat the World Series like any other series. Now it's seven games versus a normal three game or a four game series. And when I say treat it normally, that means there are hitters meetings, there are pitchers meetings. There aren't team meetings generally, because unless you really need a team meeting, you shouldn't have it. More on that later in the show, actually. There's preparation that you do when you go into a city with an off day during the season, when there's an off day, you generally travel on the off day. If you're home and then going to play on the road with an off day, you sleep in your bed the night of the game at home. Then you travel on the off day. Sometimes you can go right to the ballpark and do a workout. Other times it's just a full day off. And we talked about whether or not you should take a full day off in New York. And we wanted our players to get into Yankee Stadium. The reason why we wanted to do the, a full workout on the day before the first game of the World Series is that we wanted the young players not to be in awe of Yankee Stadium. We wanted them to feel as though they belonged, that they had a chance to win, that they were going to win. When you're talking about the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks, I keep coming to the similarities that the Diamondbacks have to that 03 Marlins team. I've told you, young, dumb, and full of vigor. I get that feeling from the Diamondbacks, the same thing that we had, where they just don't feel like they're going to lose no matter what's going on in a game. No matter what happens in a particular game, you can lose 10 nothing and then come back and win the next game. No problem. Very short memories. If I'm the Arizona Diamondbacks right now, and I'm thinking about the schedule, while I do have media responsibilities and we've got to film things for MLB, the players are asked by our PR people. So in the World Series, you've got MLB PR people and you've got your own team PR people. And they're always in communication because there are needs of your broadcaster, Fox, who want, whenever you see intros, Coke, I don't know if you can picture this, but of course you can. There'll be intros to the broadcast and there'll be players holding the trophy or there'll be players walking toward the camera. Those things have to get filmed. They're not filmed in the beginning of the season and then they just choose the two teams that make the World Series. They're filmed now during the off day. And so there are only certain players which who Fox wants to have in their ads. And so you're communicating with which players have to do what. So there's definitely more distractions the day before a World Series game than there are the day before regular series. So given the fact that it's going to feel different to the players, both in responsibility and also in ticket requests, there is a, a scene and a picture I have of Bill Beck, the traveling secretary, and he was working with Manny Cologne, who then became the traveling secretary after Bill Beck retired. And I, we were in a suite in the Hyatt doing tickets and it was hundreds of tickets 
putting people in different places according to who they should sit with, who they shouldn't sit with, what location. And you get the locations from MLB and from the Yankees, in this case, the Rangers. And so the Diamondbacks have all this stuff to do. But what you really want for your players, given the insanity and the distraction that exists, you want normalcy. You want routine. So we decided that we were going to do everything exactly as we had during the course of the season in terms of how we were preparing for the opposing pitcher that night, how we were preparing for that entire series, how we would have our hitters prepared. And I remember walking around the clubhouse at Yankee Stadium, watching these meetings take place and everyone acting normally. And all that was going through my head is, this is the World Frickin' Series. We're in Yankee Stadium. And this is the old Yankee Stadium. How are we not going to be overwhelmed by the moment? The manager, then Jack McKeon, who I had a very great conversation with, we speak all the time, but certainly on October 25th every year. And that's not a look at me, Louie. That's just how would you not speak to your, like your grandfather on a day that you made history with him? And I remember thinking to myself, how is he going to make it so it's going to be okay and normal? Bruce Bochy, the manager of the Rangers, Tori Lavello, the manager of the Diamondbacks, have that same job to do. Because when you look at the Diamondbacks roster, when you frankly look at the Rangers roster, other than Corey Seager, Nathan Avaldi, the starter in game one, there are players who just don't have this experience, who don't know what to expect. So for baseball players, when you don't know what to expect, you tend to go to what you know. And what you know is routine. So the Diamondbacks will have their schedule, when they're going to do BP, when they're going to take infield, when they're going to meet the media, when the media is open to come into the clubhouse, normalcy. So you're going to see a lot of people over the next day or two talk about predictions, talk about evaluating. I'm doing it tonight on CBS. I'll do it tomorrow on Nothing Personal, where I'm going to go through my analysis of the teams, my predictions. But one thing you're not going to hear me do is say, you know, the Diamondbacks won three out of four against the Rangers in the regular season. Therefore, the Diamondbacks certainly have the advantage. Zach Gallen pitched against the Rangers twice, and therefore, they've seen him. On August 22nd, Zach Gallen went six innings, one earned, 11 Ks, one walk. Diamondbacks win. Well, there's advantage Diamondbacks. But wait a minute. The day before, Jordan Montgomery went eight innings, no runs, six Ks advantage Rangers. Chapman blew a save one time, advantage Diamondbacks. Max Scherzer went six innings on July 4th, only gave up three, four runs, three home runs, advantage Diamondbacks. Here's a little nugget for you. Whatever the record is between the two teams during the regular season is wholly irrelevant to what will happen during the World Series. Second only to when a TV network says to you, the Philadelphia Phillies have beaten the Miami Marlins 18 of the last 24 times over the last 20 years. The New York Knicks have not beaten the Lakers in LA 20 the last 20 times. And 
it's a totally different team. You play in LA once a year if you're the Knicks. If it's an interleague series, you play once a year. What exactly are you saying? What are you proving? There is no correlation between what a roster did 10 years ago against a team and what a roster does against that team now. There's not even a correlation between what the same rosters did three months ago, six months ago. So laugh with me. Laugh with me when you hear stations and talents and people on X and everybody else talk about what is happening between these two teams. And when they go on the Fox broadcast and they'll mention what happened, what the record is between the Diamondbacks and the Rangers, who cares? Who cares? It's going to be a hell of a series, though. For those of you cynical about not wanting to watch it because you don't care about Texas or Arizona, just try it. Hey, Mikey, you might like it. All right. I have a great plan right now. By the way, this is no joke. We're live at the moment, and you're maybe hearing this on tape, but it is 8.12 a.m., and I just got a text from Mark Redman. Mark Redman was our pitcher who started game seven in Chicago. And on, on October 25th, we all tried to talk and he wasn't available yesterday. And he was texting saying, 20 years seems like yesterday when I'm watching today's players celebrate. You never forget. You never forget that feeling. Okay, moving on. I'm gonna try to get to my phone ring because this is a funny phone call that happened yesterday that really does make me smile. Let's see if we can get it as we normally do. <laughs> I love you, Dan Levy. Hello, who's this? Hey, is Craig there? Uh, yeah, this is Craig. Hey, it's David. David, how you doing? Congrats on getting that Mets job. I had no idea you were going to get the Mets president of baseball operations job. Hey, Craig, I had no idea you were going to leave the Brewers. Oh, David, you knew I was leaving the Brewers. Hey, Craig, you knew I was getting the Mets job. Hey, David, are you going to interview me? Hey, Craig, why would I interview you? I know exactly who you are. We've worked together for years, literally since 2015. I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, I appreciate that. But Craig, listen, we have a small issue. We have to go through an interview process because I have to tell Steve Cohn that I interviewed you. So could you be a darling and come to Flushing? All right, no problem. Any chance we can do it on Zoom? Maybe, you know, StreamYard? No, you gotta meet Steve. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Click, click, click. Hello, can I come in? Craig, welcome to City Field. Come sit down. Craig Council walks in. He's got a blazer on, no tie. He's got the Lululemon pants and the, the Kohan shoes. He sits down. David Stearns looks at him and says, hey, Craig. All right. I'd like to understand from you how you handle the relationship between the front office and the players. <laughs> Craig laughs. David says, okay, let me try another one. Craig, I'd like to understand how you manage your bullpen. <laughs> okay, sorry, let me try another one. Hey, Craig, I'd like to understand your family's willingness to move to New York. Oh, sorry, we covered that one already. All right, hold on one second. Hey, Craig, 
I'd like to know, have you identified a building in New York City where you'd like to live? Interesting you bring that up, David, because we can't exactly find the perfect building. Because one thing I'm not sure of, did we agree on four years, three years? Is it three years plus an option? I'm trying to remember what my offer is. And remember when I told you I want to be the highest paid manager because Steve Cohn overpays for everybody, so he might as well overpay for a manager. Were you able to talk to Steve about the payroll and about what my payroll would be? So, Craig, listen, you're going to have to meet Steve. No problem. As a matter of fact, he's right here. Hey, can I come in? Steve, how are you? Good, David. How are things going? Great. Thank you so much. Hey, Steve, I'd like you to meet Craig Council. Well, I've met you before, but it's a pleasure to meet you. So tell me, Craig, are you aware of the pressure I'm under? Are you aware that we need to win a World Series next year? Are you aware that Max Scherzer said we were rebuilding, but we're not really rebuilding, and that we're trying to get Otani, but we may not get Otani, and we may have a $250 million payroll, and we may not have a $250 million payroll, but it doesn't matter? because we haven't won since 86, so you've got to do it because I promised and I want to get rid of the chop shops and get a casino in. And we've got to get some momentum and to do that, we've got to win. Are you clear on all that? Well, Steve, I'm your man. George Michael said it best. Can you imagine? This is David, by the way, I'm back. What a sham that Craig Council's interviewing with the Mets. Is it to make it right by baseball? They're going to do the Selig rule. They'll get a couple minorities and interview them and say, look, we did it. Everyone knows that that's the decision that's been made. I'm good. Craig Council is a great manager. It's not an issue. I don't like appearances. I don't like doing things for the sake of doing things when everyone realizes it's a joke. It's like eyewash. Do you remember, what was the guy? I think Theo Epstein, when he interviewed Joe Girardi. Coco, was that it? When they did the nine-hour interview and we had a laugh on nothing person, what did they do? Go to see, you know, the Godfather? What, what do you possibly talk about with Joe Girardi for nine hours? Oh, I was getting to know him and his kids. Well, Stearns and Council don't even have to do that. They know each other perfectly. So why would they even say, yeah, he's coming in for an interview? That's like Ozzie Guillen saying that he came in to interview with us in 2012. There was no interview. He'd gotten the job already. I just had never interviewed him before. But he was our third base coach when we won the World Series. We knew him. It was more a coronation than an interview. I think that's what the case is with Craig Council. And frankly, the Brewers have much bigger fish to fry. Pun intended. Do you remember that uh, Mark Antonazio is the owner of the Brewers? God, I love all this Milwaukee talk in this show. He's the owner of the Brewers, and they're trying to get money to renovate Miller Park. It's definitely not called Miller Park anymore, but it is to me. It's Miller Park. And they want public money. And when you want public money from the state, you have to do a lot of things. What Mark did is he threatened relocation but then took it back saying, we never really were going to move. We were just kidding. We love Milwaukee. And by the way, we've got ourselves a deal and a deal got announced, except much like in other places with financing, like in Tampa, there's been some premature exuberation. 
And the premature exuberation in Milwaukee is similar to what it is in Tampa or any other place when you announce something that's done and wait a minute, you don't have the votes yet that are actually required to give you the funds that you are telling the whole world you've gotten already. The way it works in Milwaukee is there is a bill, a bill in front of the state Senate, a bill in front of the state assembly, and then it is a bill that has to pass and then gets signed by the governor. The governor came out and is in favor of this bill. The assembly passed the bill. And the way it works, in case you don't watch school um, school board rock, school, in case 1869, in case you don't remember schoolhouse rock, in order for a bill to pass, it needs to be voted on by the two bodies in identical form. If there's one word different from what the assembly passes to what the Senate passes, the bill is not eligible to be affirmed by the governor. So in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, the assembly passed a bill and the Senate wants to make changes to the bill. And if the Senate makes changes to the bill and then passes it, it has to go back to the assembly for passage of what the new bill reads. And if the assembly then changes it, which everyone can do, and then passes it, it goes back to the Senate. And like hot potato, it can go back and forth and never get to the governor's desk. So there's a small problem. And the way they're dealing with the problem is they sent the president of business operations, who I've known for decades, a great guy, Rick Schlesinger. And he had to go and address the Senate much like I had to go and address the voting bodies. And what he was doing is exactly the proper strategy. He wants them to know, listen, let me just be clear about one thing that may not be clear. We're not going anywhere. We don't want you to consider us as a group of people who want to threaten our great community. And so he basically said, we want to be here for the next generation. I'm not threatening to leave. I want to be here. The problem with taking that nice guy tact is who's going to be the bad guy? Because you can't have the owner be the bad guy. The owner doesn't want to be the bad guy. The owner always wants to be the good guy. So the president is supposed to be the bad guy. The president is supposed to be the one who says to the Senate, listen here, ladies and gents, stop screwing around with the bill. We're not accepting a tax on Brewers tickets to help fund your part. Why? This is a trick that's used all the time. The trick by the public is, hey, we're going to give you $300 million. And the way we're going to fund it is we're going to tax your tickets. We would say, that means we're funding it because if people are going to pay $50 for a ticket, but instead of us getting $50, we only get $45 and you get $5. I'm making the math easy. There's no 10% tax, but just pretend. I'm only getting 45. I need the 50 to hit my numbers in order to have a payroll to make you proud of your team. And if you're taking our ticket revenue, as a way to give your contribution, that's really our contribution. We need you to have a contribution. We want it to be from taxes from tourists or taxes from people buying gum 
or cigarettes, something, but not from people buying tickets. Okay, how about this idea? How about if we do a tax on every non-baseball event at Miller Park? Well, wait a minute. That's the same thing. As a matter of fact, that revenue is even more important to us because it doesn't count toward revenue sharing. When we get Guns N' Roses to come play in Milwaukee or a country music act or anybody, we get that money. We need that money. Look at our pro formas. We're counting on it. So what they're trying to figure out is how do they pay? This is what the Senate is saying. How do we fund the $400 million that we're giving to this renovation other than by money that is made from the renovation? And the team is saying, no, find it elsewhere. That's a problem. So then what the state generally does and people in the Senate, and you know who you are in Florida and Tallahassee or even in the county and the city, generally what they then do is say, okay, if you're not going to do a tax on tickets or on other events, how about this? Instead of $400 million, we're going to give you $300 million. No, we're not giving you an extra $100 million. With Marlins Park, they tried this, and here's how it ended, actually. We agreed to up our contribution, about 10% of what they wanted but they had to float the bonds and we would pay them back by increasing our rent payment by a bit over the 38 years. There are ways to negotiate away a difference in opinion in how finance is going to come. You need to give the public a win. There needs to be the ability to get on the capital stairs and tell all of your constituents, I fought for you. I made the following five changes to this bill and the team has agreed to it, and the assembly will then agree to it. So there's going to be some back and forth. To all the fans of the Milwaukee Brewers and to all people who are interested in public financing, this will end with public financing for a renovation of Miller Park. And wait to see. When I tell you something's going to happen, and it does, you'll hear about it again. Just like I told you the Astros in six didn't happen, you heard about it again. Either way. Wait to see, official. This Brewers bill that is currently at the state level for money used to renovate Miller Park to keep the Brewers in Milwaukee till 2050, die It's gonna pass. You can book that. All right, we come back, we're gonna do a review. It's been two days without a review, I have no idea. I heard from so many of you on davidsampsonpodcast.com and on Twitter, at David P. Sampson. Even a guy on Instagram, normally Instagram is for photos and for people talking about photos. My, you look like crap. Oh God, you look good today. Thank you for all that. But you're right. Two days in a row without a review is unacceptable. I can't wait to discuss with you what I watched. And I can't say I watched it yesterday, though I did watch something yesterday. But what I'm reviewing after the break is what I was going to review two days ago. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. 
And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. There are several ways that I engage in content on a daily basis. I get suggestions from you after you have downloaded our show and subscribed to our show. By the way, on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, where you can see where I am and what I'm doing every morning at 8 a.m., and it's available for the rest of the day, please hit subscribe. Thank you. I have no idea why, but please do it. So you give me content suggestions, and I keep track of them on my phone. So I keep a running list of things that I like to watch. So when I say to you that I am going to watch something and it's on the list, there really is a list. So the other way I do it is I go to the various subscription services and they push things toward me. The other day, something got pushed toward me on Max, a documentary called The Savior Complex. And I'd never heard of it. And I didn't know what it was about, but it was pushed to me and it was a three-part documentary. And I said, Uganda, I was just in Uganda. I'm interested in watching something about Uganda. And then I watched it. And I'm gonna take a few minutes to talk to you about the savior complex. The savior complex is about white people, Mzungus. That's what I was called when I was in Uganda. When you see Ugandans who don't see white people a lot, they call you by your name, which is Mzungu, which is not your name name, it means white person. There are people who go to Uganda, there are people who go to other African countries, there are people who go all over the world on missions. Some of them are religious missions, some are humanitarian missions, some claim they're both and maybe and may not be. But the point is always that there are people who feel a calling to try to help out those who are less fortunate than themselves. And that is supposed to be a good thing. And once in a while it gets ruined by people who take advantage of a situation, who siphon money out of a charity, who don't take donations and use them properly. Who even when they use them properly, it's improper. There is a group of people in Uganda called No White Saviors. And No White Saviors, ironically, used to be run by a white girl and now is not. And it is an organization that is trying to draw attention to those white people who come over to Africa and take advantage of Ugandans, who harm Ugandans, who in theory are sociopaths enriching themselves. This documentary is about one such person, except it's quite unclear 
is Renee Bach of serving his children? Is she a murderer? Is she a psychopath, a sociopath? Is she the most do-gooder person you've ever met? It is a documentary that goes through this woman and her calling from God and how she goes to Uganda and works with kids who are suffering from severe malnutrition. I'm not going to be the guy who says, eat everything on your plate. My mother used to say this, eat up. There's people starving in China. And she was right. And that was a way to get us to finish our vegetables and to understand the value of food and how lucky we were to have food. And you don't know that as a kid. And then you learn about it as you get older and you realize how fortunate you are. Whatever your fortune is. In Uganda, they don't much care about the Diamondbacks or the Rangers, though they do enjoy the free shirts because if the Rangers win the World Series, the Diamondbacks have World Series champion t-shirts that are already printed and they don't get thrown away, they get sent to Africa. So there are New York Yankee 2003 World Champion shirts around Africa. True story. And they're, when they turn their faucet on, oh, wait a minute, they don't have faucets. When they decide what they're going to snack on, oh, wait a minute, they don't have snacks. The level of poverty and malnutrition is staggering. And it makes you want to help in any way you can. The guilt that you feel of paying tons of money to go trek with gorillas and know that the gorillas are being treated and protected more than the children. But then you realize that the money that you're giving is not just for the gorillas, but it's also to help out some of the local people. And you realize that you are a drop of water in the ocean. You want to help everyone. You end up thinking you can help anyone. And then you just choose a few people to help and wonder how can that be enough? And then you order, you order in food and throw food away. You overcook food and end up having leftovers that aren't given away, aren't taken care of. You realize that in the US, there's a level of poverty and malnutrition as well. And it just makes you wonder. So I watched the Savior Complex and it was personal to me because of my time spent in Uganda and Tanzania last summer. It was personal to me because of the privilege I have. It was personal to me because I don't worry about water or food. It was personal to me because I always want to help people. And what if I'm being perceived as one of those white saviors? And it was such a negative connotation, so pejorative. Get out of our country, but please help us. How does that work? How do you come to grips with it? It's got a shorter runtime than Killers of the Flower Moon, the, the most recent Scorsese movie, which I'm going to see, and you can just break it down into episodes. It's three episodes. I would ask and encourage you to watch this documentary and let me know your view. Let me know if you had the internal conflict that I had after watching the movie. I've been talking about it with everyone I see. I've been meaning to review it with you for two days, but I wanted to take my time with it because I really want you to think about it after you've watched it. It is so helpless to feel that you can't help. And it's so frustrating to think that the help you're giving isn't going to be helpful. And then on top of that, to be helpful and have you be perceived as not being helpful, but in fact, hurtful. 
golly. Now, there is no segue to the next topic. All the stuff that's happening in Israel, all the stuff that's happening in Gaza, all of the loss of life. You wake up this morning, you see what's going on in Maine. There is still a killer, a mass murderer on the loose, wondering what you would do reading about a guy who walked down a bowling alley in bare feet to hide in the pin so he wouldn't get shot. It is hard sometimes to ignore my stomach ache. It is hard to ignore my headache, my feeling of helplessness, but my understanding that I'm here to distract, I'm here to entertain, and sometimes things get in the way. But then teams come back, players come back, owners come back, and they do something that brings a smile to my face during a time when I feel guilty for smiling, but I'm going to do it anyway. Did you think that I would get through a show and not talk to you about what happened in Chicago? Jerry Reinsdorf owns the Chicago Bulls. As I've told you, regardless of what you think of Jerry, he gave you six rings, but you're going to say, wait a minute, there are kids who are in college who didn't benefit from the Jordan years. Don't care. They have six championships since 1991, 92, 90. That's 30 years, 33 years. That's a pretty good rate. The Bulls who've made the playoffs twice in the last eight years, I think, played a game last night. The NBA is back. There was a small slate of games two nights ago. Last night was the largest slate of games. Game one of 82. The Chicago Bulls got their butts kicked by the Oklahoma City Thunder. SGA had a great game. And I wouldn't have thought one thing about it. As president of the Bulls, it totally sucks to lose game one. Because you just want to win your opener. I lost many season openers. I actually don't know, Coco, what my record was out of 18. I'm going to guess 7 and 11 over 18 home openers, maybe 6 and 12. Because I remember the losses, including the Nalasco-Glavin game where Nalasco pitched great. And I think we lost 2 nothing to the Mets at Shea Stadium one year. The loss in 2012, Josh Johnson to the Cardinals. And I think it was Wainwright who pitched, who started in 2012. But anyway, you're upset that you lose a game, but it's not the end of the world. Yesterday in Chicago, the Bulls lost game one and they immediately had a players only meeting. What is happening in Chicago? First, you've got a fight on the sideline between the coach and a player. Billy Donovan's the coach. Then you've got players chirping at each other. And then you've got the veteran of the team, Zach Levine, who comes out and says, hey, guys want to win. You put up a game like this in game one, you're going to have some conversations. Guys are frustrated and you should be. No, you shouldn't be. If you're going into your season opener, and your team is in such disarray that one loss, however big a blowout it is, causes you to have a players-only meeting because you don't like the effort, you're frustrated with the results, you're worried it's going to be the same old, same old, 
You sound like a radio host. You sound like a blogger. When you are a professional athlete or in the front office of a team, you can't be a fan. You can't be a talking head. You have to have a better level of perspective and understanding of how a season goes. Zach Levine is totally fine with having a meeting and I couldn't be less fine. I wouldn't have allowed a players only meeting. I would have stood right in the middle and said, boys, what are we doing? Because if you need that players only meeting, then you needed it before the season because you had a bad training camp. There was lack of effort. You're worried about how, the, how you're playing together. You're having sloppy practices. Fine. Have it before game one. But don't show that level of panic after game one. And now it forces Billy Donovan, the coach, to say this is good. It shows we care. That's what coaches always say. That's from the playbook. When a player's only meeting happens or when there's fighting between players or coaches fighting with players, the line that you're supposed to say, because it's supposed to assuage you, you're supposed to feel, okay, we're good. We care. We take our job seriously. The other one that's always a good one, we're a family. Families fight. How do you get into a heated exchange with your coach on game one? Nikola Vucevic and Billy Donovan got into this heated exchange during the game. I mean, the Bulls are a disaster. It's game one. How do you hate each other already? And then he's forced to say, it was heat of the moment. Like they're channeling Asia. I wonder how many Bulls are going to be playing in the All-Star game this year. I just wonder. I'm going to say none. It's not going to be an official wait to see, but I'm just going to say that. Adam Silver came out on day one of the season to help you out as fans. Don't you worry, fans. We are having a normal All-Star game. No more drafts. Remember when there were team captains like Giannis and LeBron and they would draft players and so you wouldn't know who's on what team and it would be a popularity contest that we would all analyze. Oh, he picked Anthony Davis. He must want to be teammates with him. Oh, he didn't pick Russell Westbrook. He doesn't love him. Oh, he loves Carmelo Anthony. Whatever. It was ridiculous. The All-Star game became a joke. Adam Silver announced yesterday they're changing the entire thing back to the way it was. Western Conference, Eastern Conference, four 12-minute quarters, Forget the target score and all that crap. Now, why are they doing that? Why do you think? Money. It all comes down to the broadcast partners are upset that the NBA All-Star Weekend has become horrific. They can't get people to participate in the slam dunk contest of note. The three-point contest has gotten boring. The All-Star game is an actual joke, regardless of the draft, and they try to do it on that great pregame show with Ernie and Kenny and Shaq and, and somebody else, Charles Barkley, where they have the draft live. Guess who didn't like the draft? The players. The union said to the NBA, listen, we don't want players to be put in a position where they're having to make choices because it looks like the person who's drafted last, that they're losers. Those all-stars don't like feeling that way. Get rid of the draft, Adam. No problem. And we're going to go to our broadcasters and we're going to say that we are getting back to basketball. What? That's Adam Silver's big line. That's not what he means. 
We are getting back in the negotiating room with the broadcast networks, and we're looking for a triple. We're looking for multi-billions. We're looking for the streamers, and we're going to show them this year that when they get the All-Star Game package, they're getting something special. Seriously? Who are you fooling, Adam? Back to basketball. I happen to agree with the change, but again, getting back to what we talked about earlier in the show, just come out and say it. We've got to find a way to make the game more competitive. We've got to find a way to satisfy potential broadcast partners, and we've got to find a way to get the players not to take it as a joke. 156 and 154. That is our record. I hope you paid attention to our picks of the day yesterday. Did you watch Wembayama play? We said under 17 and a half points. He had 16 points. That's a win. But did you watch him play? I'm pretty sure he's never going to score under 17 points again the rest of the year. He got in foul trouble throughout the game, and we just got lucky. What an amazing over-under of 17 and a half that was, and glad we went under. We also had the Celtics beating the Knicks by three at the Garden, and they won by four. Guess what? That's a victory. 156 and 154. It's enough to make a rock nervous. This segment brought to you by no one. Two picks today. Do you know how much we get paid for saying that? I mean, DraftKings, that's funny. I mean, everyone knows that it's the DraftKings network and that DraftKings is part of nothing personal, but it's just funny to say. All right, we have a football game and we have a basketball game today. I want to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. I want to talk about the fact that James Harden reported back just in time to not get fined for missing regular season games. And the Sixers said, hey, screw you. You're not coming on the road trip. <laughs> I love that. Go get in shape. You distracted distraction. Go back to the buffet. James Harden is a disaster. The Sixers are a disaster. Now, I can't say that Giannis and Lillard are exactly a symbiotic pair at the moment. It's going to take them time. The line is low. It's Bucks minus six. But I think that if we go against the Sixers 82 times, we're going to be happier at the end of the year. But we're not going to do it 82 times. We're certainly going to do it today. Bucks minus six over Sixers. That's the Milwaukee Bucks. The other Bucks are playing the football game tonight. You've got the Buffalo Buffs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady really would like to get a win over Jim Kelly. That would be a major accomplishment. It is rare for Brady to get eight and a half points. But I'll tell you, I'm taking advantage of the fact that it's only eight and a half points. Because if you think the Buffalo Bills are really a four and three team, and you think the Baker Mayfield-led Bucks are good, watch the game tonight. This is the time when Buffalo says it's enough. 37 to 10 type of enough. So we're taking the Bills eight and a half over the Bucks. We're taking the Bucks six over the Sixers. And we are trying to continue our relative hot. Start, middle, finish. It's almost November. We got to finish above 500 for the year. All right, Coca. Can we get to, where are we? Oh, we're done. We should keep going. 45 minutes, it goes too quickly. 
Thank you for your time and attention. Guess what? We'll be back tomorrow. Full World Series preview. Tomorrow at this time, it'll be 12 hours till game one of the World Series. Until then, it's just business. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.